Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unbox podcast. My name is Reese, and today we are going to be having a look into one of our our less explored series, that being elections over time. And today uh, we're having a look at the 2016 presidential election. This will be a surface level look at the things that were going on, what went wrong for Hillary Clinton, what went right for Donald Trump. Um, and there'll probably be many, many more episodes on that uh, before the 2020 election when we were looking back on different presidential elections. Um, but for today, it'll be time to have a little overlook and see uh, what happened in 2016 that has led us to the situation that we are in now uh, with President Donald J. Trump. Um, whether you love him or hate him, it's very important to have a look at what happened in the 2016 presidential election. So these are the words said by Donald Trump in his speech just after having won the presidential election. Now it's time for America to bind the wounds of division. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. It's time. I pledge to every citizen of our land that I will be president for all Americans. Some presidential words from, as he was then, the president-elect. But a lot of people will say now that Donald Trump has not been president for all Americans, or even president for most Americans, or even president for those Americans who voted for him. And it's important to understand, before we throw criticisms at any uh, politician or anyone in their power, just how they got there. So, in the first of what I think will be a longer series, looking back at the 2016 presidential election, because there is a lot to go through, um, it is time to have a look at the conditions that got the 45th president of the United States into office. Although, of course, Donald Trump is only the 44th person to actually hold the office of president. Uh, Grover Cleveland held the office for two terms, but on uh, non-consecutive occasions. Therefore, uh, they gave him two different numbers, which is why we have Donald Trump saying he's the 45th president, when only 43 people before him have uh, actually been sworn into the office of the presidency. So... By now, we probably know most of the story of the 2016 presidential election. Uh, Donald Trump, in what was essentially uh, a surprise win in terms of all the polling figures and all of the, um, well, all of the the analysis and the data and the predictions that came through, um, well... It was an upset. And Donald Trump came through with over 300 presidential votes, or electoral college votes, I should say. And, um, well, it was quite something. Uh, Waking up on the morning of uh, whatever whatever day it was, I think it must have been the the Wednesday in November, probably the 9th of November, actually, Um, and thinking... Well, he did it. Let's have a look at how he did it. And 
It's important to note that there were a very specific set of circumstances in 2016, and a lot of people have commented on how it is all unprecedented. Um, and that word's been banded about a lot in uh, in context of the 2016 race. Um, Hillary Clinton said it, Kellyanne Conway said it, uh, Michelle Obama, Newt Gingrich, Steve Derpy, or do Steve Dupre even, sorry. Um, it's... It's, it is an unprecedented election. It's the first time anyone with no political or military experience has been successful in a bid for the presidency. Uh, plenty of people haven't held office um, before, in political office, before running for and winning the presidency. But this was the first election where they had not uh, served to a high rank in the military or been in politics at all. Um, and... On the face of it, Hillary Clinton was one of the most, um, well, had one of the most illustrious careers of any candidate ever for the presidency. Secretary of State, First Lady, Senator. It's a fairly glorious political copybook. But that has all been blotted because, as many commentators were quick to say, it wasn't so much a battle of who you want to win the presidential election, it was rather a who you don't want. And there is something so fundamentally politically toxic about Hillary Clinton in the eyes of a lot of American voters that they held their nose, bit their tongue, and voted for Donald Trump. Now, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Let's start with that in an analysis of the presidential election. But the presidential election is not decided on the popular vote. The presidential election is decided through the Electoral College, um, an arcane and muddled system which is exactly how it was designed. Um, designed to put a, a dampening on, on the untempered will of the people. And it's designed in a very particular way, uh, and it gives greater power to the smaller states so they aren't just swallowed up if, for example, California and New York and Texas all conspire to vote the same way because they're bigger states and you don't want, in a federal system, for it to just be, well, if you live here and here, your vote counts and if you live here, here and here, your vote doesn't count. Well, weirdly enough, the Electoral College has actually made it so it's like that but just a different way around with all these swing states but I'm sure we'll go into that at some later date. What matters is that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by uh, a couple of million, I think it was in the end, some about 47 and a bit to 45 and a bit, um, but she lost the popular vote, uh, not popular, lost the electoral college vote quite considerably. And we're going to be having a look at how that happened. But before I can actually turn my attention to the presidential election, we need to have a look at the primaries. And Let's start with the primary that went just about according to plan, the Democratic primary. That was essentially a preordained occasion. Hillary Clinton was running with the full support of the Democratic establishment and the overt support of most of the people within it. Um, she had endorsements from 
pretty much every sitting governor, from most sitting representatives, uh, many sitting senators, and yet she still conspired to be quite so concrete and robotic in her delivery that she nearly lost to someone described even by some of the left-wing press as uh, a borderline communist. And when socialist is a dirty word in America, when someone is being described as a borderline communist and still putting up a viable challenge in a primary, it is not a good look for a candidate. Um, Hillary Clinton, in her primary that she won in 2016, was up against a, a couple of people who most people outside of American politics had never heard of, uh, I believe the governor of Rhode Island, uh, and another senator, uh, but I'm not even going to bother mentioning their names. The only person who posed a significant threat in any way, shape or form was the long-standing left-wing firebrand at Bernie Sanders. And boy did he start to pose a threat when Clinton looked a bit wobbly. Clinton's primary campaign was not what we expect of a primary campaign. She campaigned as if she'd already won the primary and then turned up in Iowa and nearly lost it. And then turned up in New Hampshire and actually did lose it. This was big. This is Bernie Sanders turning up and really frightening someone who essentially was just waiting to be inaugurated. She'd been auditioning for the presidency ever since she was first in the Oval Office as, um, well, as First Lady. And uh, it was actually quite shocking to see um, Bernie Sanders, and an angry, Brooklyn-accented Vermont senator who's an independent but votes almost always with the Democratic Party, actually challenging this, this pillar of the Democratic Party. It shouldn't have been happening, and yet it was. Not because the Democrats weren't doing everything they could to try and get Hillary Clinton elected, because they were, be it through superdelegates or just trying to fiddle the figures. Uh, it was because Bernie Sanders' message was resonating, and Hillary Clinton's wasn't. Anyway, it took a while, but eventually the Democratic establishment came around to... Um, essentially hand their crown to Hillary Clinton. But it annoyed a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters. So much so that some of them did not, I'm almost certain, vote Democrat in the 2016 presidential election. They felt cheated and they came back with a vengeance in 2020. And they probably feel slightly cheated again, although it was much less overt this time if there was any foul play from the DNC or the Democratic National Committee. Now, we've thought about one of the primaries. Here is the other one. And this too was meant to be a coronation lap. A coronation lap for another of America's great families in politics. A family that had already uh, put out two of the last four presidents. I am, of course, talking about the president that never was, Jeb Bush. Governor of Florida, Secretary of State for Florida, Attorney General of Florida. He had worked his way up through a state's Republican Party 
into the Federal Party and was just sitting, waiting happily in the wings to step in after two other pillars of the establishment, John McCain and Mitt Romney, had had their go in 2008 and 2012 and fallen by the wayside. Jeb Bush was meant to be the Republican candidate in 2016. Meant to be Bush Clinton. That was it. It was meant to be Jeb Bush for the GOP and Hillary Clinton for the Democratic Party. And then Jeb Bush got behind the lectern and suddenly everyone thought, "Mm, maybe not. Because they saw Jeb Bush. They saw someone in a blue shirt, most likely, a cardigan-y, jumpery thing with a zip up to the neck, glasses, grey hair, mild-mannered, very good politician, brilliant politician by all accounts, very accomplished, a loyal servant of the GOP, but he was still on a stage next to people who, who knew that this is the person they had to take down. And unlike Hillary Clinton, there were 19 of them. It wasn't just a four-person race with a couple of nobodies and a senator from Vermont. This was a full-on race against people who had their own big following in the mainstream of the Republican Party. Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, Governor John Kasich from Ohio, another Floridian, Marco Rubio, who was very popular in the Latino community, and making his own headway as a, a young front-runner in the Republican Party. Dr. Ben Carson, who, who grabbed a lot of the early vote share. And then, of course, the person I haven't mentioned yet in this primary. The outsider. The disruptor. Donald J. Trump. And he came into the race with a bang. The Muslim ban? That was quite an announcement. Um, it certainly shook a lot of tail feathers. And immediately he knew who he had to take down. He came in and he went straight after Jeb Bush. And now, the problem with coming from a long-standing political family is that it doesn't matter how good you are on your own. You could be a brilliant politician. You will always have your surname. And your surname will always have people who've used it before. Because that's how families work. And... In the case of poor unfortunate Jeb Bush, George W. Bush, by the time he'd left office, was not a particularly popular president. And Jeb is, uh, by all accounts, quite a nice guy. There's no way he's stabbing his brother in the back just to get into the White House. He's too mild, he's he's too meek-mannered. So when Donald Trump came at him all guns blazing, there was no real way he could fight back. It was like watching... I don't know, it was like watching Hulk Hogan pick a fight with the smallest person you know. It it was brutal watching Donald Trump tear lumps out of Jeb Bush. And it all went wrong. In the Iowa prime in the Iowa caucus in twenty sixteen, Jeb was nowhere to be seen. New Hampshire, nowhere to be seen. He pinned it all on South Carolina and then he was out. He was out before the primaries even got to his home state of Florida. The front runner, the person who everyone expected to just walk into the GOP's nominating arena and go head to head with Hillary Clinton in November, was out before March. 
That's big. And it paved the way for Donald Trump to start taking out the front runners one by one because once he started taking people down, there was really no way of stopping him. And because everyone thought, oh, brilliant, this, this outside force, this disruptor, he'll take out my next opponent for me, they never stopped to think, well, what happens when he turns on me? And one by one, they fell. Chris Christie was eviscerated by Donald Trump on stage in one of the many debates. And then he thought, well, there's only one way I'm getting out of this with any sense of getting into power. I'll jump ship and join the Trump campaign. And just before he did that, he utterly destroyed Marco Rubio's campaign, calling him uh, someone from Washington who just memorised sound bites to try and sound, um, try and sound like he was an accomplished politician. And to be fair, Rubio did himself no favours. And of course, Trump piled in on Marco Rubio. Um, he had his attack lines ready. The reality star was turning the Republican primary into a reality contest, and of course he was going to win. Of course he was going to win. Once he started taking out the pillars of the Republican establishment, opening it up to the Tea Party and the people who felt like the Republicans had let them down. It might not have been visible to people who were, were still thinking in terms of old politics, but it was going to happen. And then there were three. Donald Trump, Ted Cruz... And John Kasich. And, well, John Kasich was very much cut from the same mould as Jeb Bush. Moderate Republican, fairly middle of the road, mild-mannered, nice guy, by most people's accounts who've had a personal conversation with him. Not up to the task of defeating Donald Trump. So he was gone. Which left Ted Cruz. Now, he should have been the strongest challenger for Donald Trump after he got Bush out of the way. And he was. He picked up the second most delegates in the Republican uh, convention. He was the face of the evangelical wing, pro-NRA, uh, anti-abortion, strong candidate for the Republican Party nomination. But even he was just blown out of the water by the phenomenon that was the Trump campaign. And it was unprecedented. So now we've had a brief look over the primaries. I'm actually going to call time on this particular podcast. In the next section, we're going to look at the first stage of the campaign, the first round of scandals that hit both campaigns, the vice presidential picks, even the conventions. And we will see what happens for the next couple of episodes in this section of the Politics Unboxed podcast. There's been elections over time. That's all the time we have for today on the Politics Unboxed podcast. So I want to thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you all around again soon for the next one. And goodbye. Mm-hmm.